Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. Well, our spooky season is underway, and I know that our celebrations will look a little different this year. So I hope you are still going to decorate and find a socially distant way to give candy out to those hooligans trick-or-treating. Now, I know I've said this time and time again, but the schedule consistency is basically non-existent with this podcast. So to hold myself accountable, my team accountable, I am going to be releasing episodes on the 15th and at the end of the month, so the 30th, 31st, 29th, whatever it is. I will be there for you, guaranteed. And if I can't, I will for sure let you know. All right, Boo Bears, ready to get spooked? Our first story comes from Breakhard606, whose dreams always left them questioning why they remembered certain terrifying dreams. I've always been interested in the paranormal, and I find the subject extremely fascinating. It's a subject I approach with a huge amount of respect, but I haven't personally had much experience with it in my life, just a couple of possible UFO sightings that were hard to explain. Even though they were memorable experience, they were way off in the distance, so it was really nothing to write home about. But I did have one experience which was quite hard to forget. It was actually a series of events that happened at a place we used to live in, in Germany. I was very young when it happened, but I can still see the visuals like it was yesterday. In the mid-1970s, I was around five years old. My family and I lived on the U.S. Army base in Wildflecken, Germany. As a little bit of added history, this base was used during World War II by the German Army. During that time, they kept Polish and Russian prisoners there to work in the town and farms to replace the Germans who were drafted away to war, calling it the Displaced Persons Camp. From what I've gathered, the U.S. took the base over as they advanced through during the war. They officially turned it into a U.S. Army base in 1951. Our home on the base was an apartment building that had a few units per building with a spiral staircase hallway connecting the top and bottom floors. While I was there, I remember having the usual family experiences, fond memories of the snow, the neighbor's dog, and all the camping trips we took. However, I also remember the most vivid dreams that I can still recall to this day. These dreams did not fall in the category of fond memories. In truth, they frightened me to my core. In the house, we had one of those vintage Sacred Heart tapestry rugs of Jesus hanging on the wall, because that's what you did in the 70s, hung rugs on the wall. I remember Jesus' fingers being eerily thin and long, and the border was lined with a row of ivy or grape leaves. To be honest, that thing always just gave me the creeps. It hung just above the couch in the living room. One evening, I fell asleep on the couch, and in my dream, I woke up horrified by what I saw. I fell to the floor and scooted back as far as I could. At the sight of these leaves individually marching off the picture, single file, down onto the couch, and then to the floor and into the hallway. 
I could hear them marching as I remember a menacing yet magical feeling, as if they knew I was there. It scared the hell out of me, and after that, all I can remember is running past them as I bolted into my parents' room. One of the other dreams I had, I remember being frozen with fear, as my bedroom wall right next to my bed was covered with slithering, hissing black snakes. And not like the innocent little garter snakes either. These were big, black, scaly, serpent snakes. I remember them creepily moving upwards to the left, and it looked like they were in a hurry. Again, it felt like they knew I was there, but they never crawled off the wall or onto me. However, I remember feeling helpless because I tried to call out to my parents, but my voice wouldn't work at all. I think that was the most frightening part. Eventually, I was able to yell out for them and my dad came in to try to make them disappear, but that's all I remember. Another dream I had was also in my bedroom, but there were no snakes this time. It was late at night after everyone had gone to bed. All the lights were out and I remember a voice calling my name while I was sleeping. I woke up not knowing where the voice was coming from, so I turned around and sat up at the foot of my bed, only to see it coming from a little rubber toy I had often played with. That was weird enough in its own right, but stranger still, it was hanging on the cross I had above my headboard. It was one of those bendy toys that had the wire inside so you can bend the arms and legs. It wasn't a menacing toy by any means, but it was in fact talking to me. It almost seemed to glow while doing so, and I don't really remember what it said, but I remember hearing my name, and I don't recall being afraid of the voice at the time. It seems like it was giving me some kind of advice or instructions, but again, I don't recall a single word of it. The last dream I had during this time was of me flying down the spiral staircase into the neighbor's apartment as I was floating along with my arms spread out like a bird. I remember seeing daylight in the staircase while I was there. For some reason, that just sticks with me. This dream was very lucid as well, as I knew I was dreaming and I could control my flight. I remember seeing my neighbors in their house and I remember them noticing me. Then again, it might not have been the neighbors that noticed me. It might have been another presence there with them. I had that particular experience only a few more times in my childhood, but it went away when I got older. It reminded me of the out-of-body experience the kid had in the movie Insidious. It was always something in my life that I never had answers to. I couldn't understand why I remembered those dreams so vividly. What did they mean? Why did I remember those dreams more vividly than all the other dreams I've had in my life? It was years later that I finally had a revelation as to why they were so memorable. When I was around 20 years old, I mentioned them to my mother while I was visiting her, in hopes that she could shed some light on them. She patiently heard everything I had to say and then replied, Chris, those were not dreams. She then explained to me that for three days I had terrible hallucinations that not only scarred me but scarred the hell out of them as well. My dad used a spray bottle on the wall to take care of my imaginary snakes. It was so bad they eventually took me to the doctor to look for answers. The doctors were convinced that I had gotten into some cleaning supplies under the kitchen sink, but when they ran the tests, nothing came up. 
They ended up diagnosing me with delirium tremens, which is something that severe alcoholics experience during detox. I can say with certainty that at five years old, I was not an alcoholic. After hearing all this from my mother, it definitely sent a cold chill down my spine and definitely answered why it was so memorable. However, the question of what it all meant and why all this happened to me has yet to be answered. It's something I have never forgotten. Wow, I can't even imagine going through something so scary and really unknown. A lot of skeptics are of the notion that you should seek medical intervention because it could be a mental health issue. But for you, that was clearly not the case. So I'm very curious to see what sparked it and if anybody else is familiar with that army base in those apartments, if they experienced something too. Now, our next story comes from Steve, whose old house has a grand and spooky history. I guess I'll start with a little background. The house was built in 1860, not far from the Antietam National Battlefield in Maryland. My family moved there in September 2010, and being an eccentric child, I was really hoping for some paranormal experiences. But for the first two years, absolutely nothing happened there. Sure, I felt creeped out when going to the bathroom at night due to the window by the toilet that showed the dark storage room. But other than that, there was nothing. And then, in 2012, activity started to randomly occur. The first incident I can remember is that my then-toddler brother spilled baby powder all over the dark brown floors. We left it there because we were late for an event, but when we returned home, there was a large boot print in the center of it. My father was only a size 8 in men's, and there were no signs of anyone breaking into the house. A month later, my mom went to the hospital due to a labor scare, leaving myself, my older sister, and a few other kids home alone overnight. We all decided to sleep in our parents' room. And just a note, this is where the boot print was before. I couldn't sleep that night because I kept feeling like I was being watched. Oddly enough, it wasn't from the creepy door to the storage room or the wide, gaping closet with some sort of laundry chute but rather right in front of the door leading out of their room. I watched the door carefully until I fell asleep, only to be woken moments later by a bang somewhere else in the house. And when I looked at the door again, I saw a tall shadow standing there. It was easily the size of the door with some sort of top hat atop its head. I sat there watching it for a long time. As car lights flashed through the windows, the shadow never dimmed or moved. I was too afraid to wake anyone up. After my new sister was born, whenever our parents would leave the house, we would hear loud footsteps walking across the hallway, upstairs by our parents' room, through the kids' room and back. Obviously, no one else was home. Parents always called it a draft, but we knew better. In 2013, our lease was up and we planned on moving west. During this time, us kids started feeling an unwelcoming present throughout the house, particularly when our parents weren't around. 
I wish I could call it paranoia, but I know it was more than that. Papers would knock off the desk, chairs would suddenly break, a chandelier fell from the ceiling onto our dining room table. I had to have someone in the dark kitchen with me while I washed dishes because I always felt like there was someone standing in the hallway in front of the staircase that led to our parents' room. Eventually, as one of my sister's health was declining due to epilepsy on top of all the other events, my parents decided to get a priest to bless the house. It was blessed shortly after we moved in, but this seemed to need a bit more power. Minutes after this guy leaves, we hear a blood-curdling shriek come from the dirt cellar, so loud it could be heard from anywhere in the house. There were no more major events after that, just an overall creepy feeling. The house went through three tenants in a year after we left and is now an office building. What we found out later was that just across the street used to be the town cemetery, which was allegedly moved at some point in the past. Considering the Battle of Funkstown went on right in front of the house, there could have easily been fatalities on that day as well. There were also two recorded deaths in the 1940s and 50s, an old woman and a man. They had lived there for decades. Perhaps they didn't want to let go of it. You know, I used to look at houses in my old hometown that were hundreds of years old and dreamt of living in them one day. And then stories like Steve's remind me that I'm actually good and I don't need that experience. Now Skrillex Baby 101 also has a haunted house tale to share with the class. So one of the very first paranormal experience I had in this house was when I was around the age of 10. I was getting ready for school one day and everything was fine. I had a large glass table in my room with a box fan on it. The table was pressed against the wall and there was an outlet on the wall underneath the table where the fan was plugged in. As I was walking out the door, the fan was suddenly flung off the table directly at me. It hung off the side of the table by the cord that was barely even in the outlet anymore. It startled me and I put this fan back up on the table. I told my mom about it and she said I just tripped over the cord, but there was no way I was able to do that as the cord was nowhere near the door and secured behind the table. A few weeks later after the incident, I was trying to sleep. I had a two liter of water sitting on the table it was filled to the brim next to the fan. The fan was kind of far back onto the table and the fan didn't shake either. I was laying in bed when suddenly I heard a very loud thump in my room. Curious and scared as to what the noise was, I turned the light on and saw the two liter under the table on its side. There is no way that thing was shaken off the table. The next day, when nobody was home, I decided to say something to the spirit, as I assumed that's what it was. I said something along the lines of, Ghost, you can stay in this home. Just don't throw things or try to hurt anyone or break anything. Please stop throwing things. You can stay and I know you are here. And honestly, everything ceased after that for a very long time. 
But then my grandma passed away, and we got her ashes, and we have them in a box on a bookshelf. Now, I don't think this is her doing these things. I honestly think them being in the house awoke the spirit from so many years before. Now, this event was recent. Very recent. I was doing laundry. I had just put some clothes in the dryer, and I was playing some video games with my sister in the living room. The stairs to the basement was a whole other room away from us. I heard a very loud screeching noise coming from the basement. It scared the hell out of both of us. I ran into the basement to see what happened and the door to the dryer was wide open. As I looked over, I saw a dark shadow across the wall dart away from behind the dryer. Honestly, I just shrugged it off as a playful spirit, but then things amplified even more from there. A few months after that, I was doing laundry again. I was walking up the basement stairs and I began to lose my balance a little. I then felt a warm handprint along my waist, as if someone was like, I got you. When I caught my balance, it went away. After that incident, I started waking up to a strong scent of sulfur at the end of my bed. It slowly worked its way up to the head of my bed, but went away when I started spraying natural sage oil on me when I went to sleep. Now, here's something a little more recent. I was in the basement on my treadmill listening to music and I was on the phone with my boyfriend. It was a snap call and I was wearing wireless Bluetooth headphones. I was just finishing up my workout when suddenly I heard a noise behind me. At the same time, my boyfriend was like, whoa, what was that? When I turned back around, my phone screen was black. It had died. I remember the battery was at 30% and with a rather new phone, I knew the battery didn't just plummet out of nowhere. A week later, I was doing the same thing, but I had just sat down after the workout, and my headphones started making this static noise. It was quiet, but then got louder and louder. I had to turn them off to stop it. Even after the Bluetooth had been disconnected, it was still making the static noise until they were fully shut down. It happens again after I waited a while and turned them back on, and it never happened again after that. After that, I stopped going into the basement to work out. Now, my last story. This happened a week ago. My grandpa died in February this year. It was a very sudden and sad death. I was very close to him. I had a few dreams after his death and I was communicating with him. He told me he was okay and that's all I go into about that. But a week ago, some weird thing happened with my Christmas lights I have strung around my room. They started getting brighter and brighter, then very bright. I for some reason thought this was my grandpa trying to communicate with me, so I started playing his favorite music artist on my Google Home. The lights got even brighter and very hot, but then they died. They won't come back on, but it's only one part of the string lights that lit up. So now I have a string of lights that, halfway, don't work. I'm going to pause the spooky tales so you can hear a word from our sponsors. Ugh, I hate basements. Anytime I stay at an Airbnb that has a basement, I seriously barricade the door and try to forget that it's there. I got sick to my stomach when you mentioned the treadmill incident and the static in the headphones, that's going to be a strong, hard pass from me. 
Now, Grungle Cake shares with the show the creepy things that kids do. About two years ago, my son was born. My wife had complications and frankly, she was a wreck. She was a trooper, but my son's birth had literally nearly killed her. She was out of commission for a few days and hardly able to walk for a few weeks. This left me with the task of working and watching my boy as long as I could. He's my buddy now and my wife made a full recovery, so don't worry too much. But it is important to note that when we got home, things weren't easy. My son cried quite often, as babies do, so I didn't really consider anything wrong immediately. But soon he became more aware of his surroundings and soon recognized me and his mother. One day I was playing with his feet, which he loved, and suddenly he stopped mid-laugh and stared intently behind me, right past my head on the right side. He started whining, then full on crying within a few seconds. I felt a chill as I looked behind me, but I couldn't see anything. Then the nightmares happened. I had a recurring dream of a cloaked person with a very distinctive grin in my house. I was already getting very little sleep, so in my dreams and in my waking life, I wasn't having it. I was livid that my mind would make this up, and even more livid at the thought of something threatening my family's safety. This lasted a few weeks. Finally, things came to a head when I passed out and woke up in my bed with a cloaked figure standing over me, holding my right hand. I blinked a few times and then I heard her laugh a hideous, shrill laugh as she presented a knife and in one fell swoop, sliced my wrist. And in the end, she chopped my hand off. The pain was so intense, I screamed until my eardrums burst. My stomach convulsed and my body felt like it lit up on fire. Then I woke up in my bed for real, hands still very attached. I was shaking, wringing my wrist, still happy it was on. Realizing I wasn't going to get any sleep in my bedroom, I crept into the living room where my son was. I slept in there for a few nights until one particular night, my son would not sleep without my hand on his chest. So I slid his bed up and kept my hand on him while I tried to fall asleep. Still awake, I felt my son's head shoot up like never before. He stared directly behind my head and let out an ear-piercing shriek that he never had before or has since screamed. I immediately picked him up in a football run and curled my hand into a fist while my wife ran into the room. But there was nobody there. I must confess here that I am a Christian, always have been, but was never really a good example of one. I swear, I have hypocrisies, and frankly, I wish I did more to help. But that night, I made it a point to end it. I prayed to God to give me strength to fight this thing. I went to the room where I first had these nightmares and prayed. I felt fear first, then anger. I felt a torrent of things that felt honestly terrible. But I took a stand and believed it would end. I don't know if I made a difference at that house, as we moved shortly thereafter. But I had no more nightmares and my son never cried at the wall again. Okay, wow, what a twist. 
Well, I'm just glad that you're out and perhaps the power of prayer is really all you needed to get through that terrifying time. So I'm really glad you all are safe. Now, Faxine has our final story of the show and boy, are you in for a treat. I've had several paranormal experiences throughout my childhood and adulthood that were, and still are, unexplainable. I never thought my childhood home itself was bad. My parents bought the house and moved into the acreage when I was one or two years old. The original owners built the home, but we were the first to live in it, if that makes sense. I always thought the land was bad. We lived less than a quarter mile from my dad's pasture, and the pasture had wagon trails throughout. Though I don't have any proof, we always thought they were the Oregon Trail imprints. The energy was off, but it was beautiful and the scenery really drew you in. Anyways, like I said before, I had more than one experience at that particular house. The first story that comes to mind is when I was a teenager, probably about 13 or 14, and I was home alone. The house was a single story with an unfinished basement. The basement had two bedrooms with carpet and drywall. The remainder of the basement was cement flooring and cement blocks with exposed beams and wires. We had a common area with a TV, foosball table, and computer desk, but the majority of the basement was used for storage. I was home alone for one of the first times. I almost always had an older sister home, so I wasn't usually alone, but this time I really was. Mom and dad were gone for the day about one to one and a half hours away, and my 16 or 17-year-old sister was gone to see her boyfriend. I was enjoying my time alone, and I was blaring my rock music as loud as it could go, trying to sing along and hit the high notes. I'm nailing it, and I'm not really paying attention to anything that's going on around me. And then, all of a sudden, I heard my sister's voice say, Hey, the way she always did. I turned down my music and yelled up toward the stairs. What? Expecting her to come down and tell me what she needed to tell me. She never came. Confused, I walked upstairs and looked around. I froze when I saw that the front door remained locked and her car wasn't in the driveway. The second story I'll share tonight is from the summer of 2009, so I was 14. I remember the time of the year because my aunt passed away from cancer that July. She had breast cancer and was in remission for 10 years. By the time it was caught the second time, it was in her brain. My aunt was childless, but treated all of us like we were her own. She was a hugely positive part of my childhood. She was my safe place. I've never handled death in the way you might think. I find relief in death and cry out of happiness for the person so they may no longer be in pain, and for their loved ones left behind. I don't cry for myself. I've had to tell myself to cry when I just simply felt relief so that I didn't stand out against my weeping sisters. No matter how I felt, I was missing a very important woman from my life now. I would go through phases of moving my furniture around in my bedroom to unusual places. At one point, my bed was centered in the room, I didn't have a headboard, and on the wall opposite of the bedroom door was a closet. I put my vanity right there. This vanity was vintage and heavy, 
The mirror was textured from age around the edges and would reflect the majority of the room. I went to bed on my bed in the center of the room and woke up that next morning just as the sun was beginning to rise. My window faced the west, but the sun hadn't filled the room just yet, only about halfway. I woke up with my back to the closet and bedroom door and my face towards the mirror. I rubbed my eyes and stretched before looking in the mirror. In the reflection stood my aunt, in a white robe. Her hair looked beautiful. She wore wigs and bandanas towards the end of her life. A chocolate brown color cut and a long bob. She was bright and beautiful and I immediately was terrified. It was my aunt, but I knew she was gone. I covered my face and body with my quilt and just waited. I felt pressure on the mattress and felt someone get on the bed along with me. I felt knees on each side of me straddling me. I was petrified and I didn't trust that it was really her. She never said anything to me, but I felt her there with me for the moment. I fell asleep hiding under the covers and woke up again later that morning. I believe it was my aunt visiting me to tell me she is okay and she felt terrible that she scared me. I haven't seen her since, but I'm fully aware of her presence at times to this day. She and grandma have always loved that I keep cats. You know, I'm not a fan of ghostly family visitors, but it does seem the visits you received were intentional to let you know that the way you grieve and process is totally normal. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now or hauntedpod.com. Production assistance by Aaliyah Lopez. And the spooky sounds you hear throughout the episode are done by the best audio engineer in the business, Ches Gray at Gray Multimedia. Spooky tune creator for the show is Nico at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that? <laughs>